0: You're listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life Church Pullman, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Good morning, Real Life Church. Good morning. My name is Gabe, and uh, I'm I'm just I'm honored to be here, uh, being able to speak with you in this sermon series. I, I quickly, before I talk too much about myself, I want to introduce my family to you as. I don't think anyone in here I know, nor knows me, and so I want to introduce you to the better side of me, which is my, uh, my wife. This is Aubrey. This is my wife, Aubrey, and uh, we've been married for a little over 10 years, 10 and a half years now, and uh, the next slide is going to be my kids. This is uh, Stella, Ruby, and Beau. Stella, flower around her hair. It's her birthday today. Uh, She just turned eight today. And then Ruby and Bo are my beautiful little twins, and they turn four tomorrow. So we did not plan out birthdays well at all. Uh, They were here, first service. They're back at the hotel right now, uh, waiting for me to get back there so we can drive back to Post Falls, and hopefully the roads aren't going to be too bad. But that's my beautiful family. I love them very much, and uh, they are, other than Jesus, the, the, the reason that I, I can do what I do uh, with their support and their love, and being able to have an eight-year-old daughter who, on her birthday, says, yeah, Dad, go ahead and preach, rather than take me roller skating or something like that. It's just, it's just amazing. So I love my family very much. Uh, I'm also the college young adult pastor up at our church in Post Falls, the Post Falls campus, and uh, we meet on Thursday nights. I have an awesome group of young adults some of our leadership team and uh, some volunteers that uh, we we every year move our NIC students into the dorms every year. It's just so cool what God's doing in that area with our young adults. And so I love being here uh, in Pullman at the campus here. Because uh, I just love the college and young adult ministry, it is an amazing ministry. If you are in that demographic eighteen through twenty nine uh, man, I love that I love you I love you it 's an amazing age group, and God can do amazing things through you so uh, that 's a little bit of a who I am. I was asked to preach in this sermon series one person at a time and uh, I was given two options on this week. They said, do you want to preach down in Pullman on the topic of connect, or do you want to preach at the North Campus in Spirit Lake on uh, talking about uh, guilt and shame? I said, I'll go down south. Uh, Not just because I didn't want to talk about guilt and shame, but I love talking about uh, as uh, discipleship and as disciples of Jesus, who we are to be and what that is. And so in this sermon series, that's what we're going through is the process of making disciples. So one person at a time is the name of the sermon series. And we're talking about how we go about discipling other people and really how we go about being a disciple of Jesus. So before we dive too much into that, we have to, we have to backtrack a little bit. So hang tight with me. If you've heard this before, I believe it's a good reminder, a good refresh of remembering and reminding ourselves of who we are as disciples of Jesus and why we do what we do. So uh, if you go on your church's webpage and on the very front page, on the very uh, first picture on that page, it has a quote on there. I hope you've heard this before. And it says, we exist to what? Good. Good. Don't know if you're reading it or if you have it memorized, but that's why we exist. As a church and as a a person, this is why we exist. We exist to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. So as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, our big vision that we want as this church and as people is to reach the entire world for Jesus one person at a time. We want to see the entire world come to know Jesus. Would you agree with that? Like we don't want one person left out of that. Like like God's not okay with that, we're not okay with that. We want this entire world to be to know Jesus. And it starts here in Pullman, right? It starts right here in where you are at, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time, reaching Pullman for Jesus one person at a time. That's our big picture vision. So if you do a little more digging around on your website and you go to the, the top button up there and it says about us, you click on that button, and the very first drop-down it says our story. There's three boxes that pop up. The first box that pops up says our vision, which is part of what we just read. It says we exist to reach the world for Jesus, one person at a time. But right below it, it says we will create biblical disciples in relational environments. So this is like our vision and, and what we would call our mission. Our mission is to create biblical disciples in relational environments. So whether you're real life Pullman, real life Moscow, real life Post Falls, real life Coeur d'Alene, real life Spirit Lake, real life Treasure Valley, real life North Spokane, real life Spokane, Wherever you are, whatever church you are part of that has real life in it, this is our DNA. This is who we is. This is, what we, this is who we are. This is what we believe, is that first and foremost, our vision, what we desire to happen is to reach the world for Jesus. But how we're going to accomplish that, the mission that we're on that's going to help us accomplish reaching the world for Jesus, is we are going to create biblical disciples in relational environments. This wasn't something that we just thought up. Like we didn't sit in a room 20 years ago, 21 years ago, however long ago when Real Life Post Falls was planted and say, what do we want this church to be about? We said, what does Jesus want this church to be about? And as we looked at scripture and we looked at different parts of the, the what Jesus calls us to do and who he calls us to be, we said, okay, there was a mission that Jesus sent his disciples on 2,000 years ago, and it's the same mission that we're sent on today. It's called the great co-mission. I love that word, co-mission, two words, co, we're doing it together, mission, we're sent out to do it, right? So together as a church, as a community, as followers of Jesus, we are together gonna go into the world and make disciples of all nations. We get this from Matthew 28, chapter 18 through 20, and this is what it says. Jesus says to them, "...all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, because of what I just said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded, and I will be with you always to the end of the age." So as we look at the great commission, the great commission that Jesus sent his disciples on, the great commission that we are to be on ourselves, we look at that passage and we say, okay, let's break that down a little bit. First and foremost, Jesus says, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. So because of that fact, because of that statement, which is a pretty bold statement, this is what I'm sending you out to do. This is what I'm telling you to go and do. Go into all the world and make disciples. Now, when you look at that word go, that doesn't mean, okay, you live in Pullman, but you have to go to Mexico, or you live in uh, Moscow, and you have to go to... Texas or wherever that means that word in the in the in the context of what it's spoken in the original language it means as you are going not go somewhere else but as you are going as you're going to work as you're going to school as you're going to go play as you're going to wherever you're going today wherever you're going today after church wherever you go as you are going make disciples Right now, obviously, there are people that are sent out to other nations and missions trips and different things like that. But people that are sent out to other nations and people that are sent out on missions trips, we call them missionaries. That does not mean that you aren't. If you are a minister, you are a missionary. If you are a disciple, you are a missionary in the environments that you live, work, and play So if you go to WSU, you're a missionary. And guess what? More people at WSU probably need to know Jesus than some of the places that we go and send missionaries to. It's a mission field wherever you are at. So as you are going, go and make disciples. Now, part of that is to teach them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. And so we talk about scripture, talk about how Jesus wants us to live our lives, what that actually looks like, what that means. Now, if the Great Commission is to go and make disciples. This is the mission, okay? Now, I I want you to hear this. The great commission is not the great suggestion. It's a commandment from Jesus. If you are here today and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a disciple of Jesus, I'm living my life for Jesus, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is not a suggestion. It's not to say, well, if you feel like it, if you get the opportunity, you know, if you want to, if it fits within your busy schedule, You can go and make disciples. This was the commandment of Jesus as he left. He said, I spent these three years with you. I modeled this with you. I've showed you what this looks like. Now go and do it. Go and do as I did. Okay, so I got to make disciples. What is that? If I'm to go make a disciple, if I'm to be a disciple, we have to understand what a disciple is, right? And, and if, we're, if we're to call ourselves a disciple-making church, and if we are to be a disciple-making church, we have to understand what a disciple actually is. So we don't believe scripture is silent on this. We believe scripture actually tells us exactly what a disciple is. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, as Jesus calls his very first disciples, Peter and Andrew, he says a very, very simple phrase. Matthew 4, 19. Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So what we say in that, in the invitation, is the definition. In the invitation to be a disciple of Jesus is the definition of what a disciple of Jesus actually is. It's very simple. Come and follow me. Number one, a disciple is someone who is committed to following Jesus, to going where he goes, to following him, to being where he is. Very simple. So we're committed to following Jesus. The second part, a disciple is someone who's committed to being changed by Jesus. I will make you, Jesus says. So if you've lived your life with Jesus for long enough, you will quickly, very, very quickly realize that Jesus is in the business of changing things and changing people. Eleven years ago, I gave my life to Jesus. And the person I was eleven years ago to the person I am today, you guys, I can't, I can't even explain to you the transformation that God's done in my life. Eleven years ago, I never would have saw a 35-year-old Gabe on a stage preaching about Jesus. 11 years ago, I was just like, man, Lord, just, I just pray that I make it to heaven. I just, I just, I just pray that I can do something good. It's, I mean, God is in the business of changing, but you have to be committed to being changed. Because here's what God won't do. He won't say, you got some work to do, and I'm just going to force you to do it. No, he says, no, Gabe, let me reveal some things in your life that, that, are, that I don't want there. Now, are you committed to allowing me to change those things? Change the way that you talk, change the way that you think, change the way that you live your life, change the way that you love people, change the way that you treat people. Will you allow the fruits of the Spirit to infiltrate your life and make you a new person? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Will you allow these things to become who you are rather than wrath and malice and slander and pride and bitterness and anger and resentment? And all these different things that filled my life, will you allow me to take those things from you and make you more and more like my son Jesus? Are you committed to that? And if you say yes, just know it's going to be difficult. It's not easy because your flesh so badly wants to hold on to those things, but your spirit so badly wants to get rid of them. And so we wage war against those things. So a disciple is one who's committed to following Jesus, one who's committed to being changed by Jesus. And then the third part of that definition is one who is committed to the mission of Jesus. And so in the definition, in the invitation, come and follow me, I will make you fishers of men. So his mission is for us to go and fish for men. Now it's a play on words, right? Because because Peter and Andrew were fishers of what? fish. Yep, that was, their, that was their purpose in life. I'm just going to go and catch as many fish as I can. Right? That's, just, that's what I am. I'm a fisherman. I catch fish. He said, no, 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 listen. I'm going I'm to give you so much more purpose in life. You're going to go fish for men. And what that means is you're going to go catch people for Jesus. You're going to go reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. So are you committed to the mission, which is to go and make disciples. So, we know what the mission is, go and make disciples. We know what a disciple is, someone who's committed to following, being changed, and committing his mission. Now the last question that remains, which is what this sermon series is all about, is how do we do that? How do we do that? This sermon series is about a process that we believe we see in Scripture, that Jesus modeled, and that the first church implemented and replicated Now, they don't call it the SCMD process, but as we look at scripture, we see four ways that Jesus walked people along an intentional process. SCMD, share, connect, minister, disciple. First of all, he shared who he was. He shared new truths. You've heard this said, but I say this. He shared new habits. He shared how to live their life. He shared. And so as disciples of Jesus, we share We share our story. We share who Jesus is to a lost and dying world. We share our testimony. Here's what God's done in my life. Here's what he can do in yours. We share our time. We make time in our busy schedules. We create margin to meet with people and connect with people, which is what we're going to talk about today. The C is connect. So how do we make disciples? This is very important because we want to be aligned as a church on what this process actually looks like and how we actually go about doing it. So, if you continue to go on your webpage and you continue to look at that second and third box on that About Us, Our Story section, you see that second box says what we do. The first one here's what we want to accomplish, here's what we do, right? It says this Life happens every day of the week. Our Sunday morning gathering is just a part of who we are and what we do as a church family. Providing ways to what? Connect with other people and helping each other live as Christians is what we strive for. So we want to be a church that connects with other people and helps us to live as the followers of Jesus that we're called to be. Connection is a huge part of this process of discipleship, of the process of being a disciple. We can't be a disciple or make disciples apart from connection with other people. The next box over, it says that here's our values. Relationship with God and others is key to walking the path with Jesus. Home groups are the primary way we connect with other believers and build spiritually based relationships. So our home groups, as you walked in this morning, as you walked in the main entrance, there's the backboard back there that has home group information on it. And I was flipping through some of those cards this morning and it's absolutely amazing that every single day of the week, including Sunday, Sunday through Saturday, there's a home group that takes place somewhere in the community, in Colfax, in Pullman, in Moscow, in these different areas, there's home groups that take place. And this is the primary vehicle that we use to connect with people in our church, is a weekly meeting that we call home groups. Now, home groups themselves are not the end result. Just because you're in a home group doesn't mean that you're connecting, doesn't mean you're being discipled. Relationship within a home group is simply the vehicle we use for discipleship. But it starts there with the connection with people on a weekly basis. If you're not in a home group, I'm just going to say this, you need to be. And that's not because real life says so, it's because Acts chapter 2 talks about how the early church took what Jesus taught them and implemented it. And it says they met daily in the temple courts and throughout homes to home, home to homes. They broke bread. They fellowshiped. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and fellowship of breaking of bread. All these different things. And so for 2,000 years, Christians have said, listen, this is what we're going to do. We're going to meet home to home. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to pray for each other. We're going to help each other. We're going to call each other out when needed. We're going to help each other live this life together. So connecting with people is a, is a huge part of discipleship. Now, the, a very important part of that statement under our values that we have to understand is there's a difference between a friendship and a spiritually based relationship. See, there are non-believers that have really good friendships with each other. It doesn't mean that they are connecting with, them, with each other in a way that God calls us to connect with each other. A spiritually based relationship takes, there's a difference between the, the difference between a friendship and a spiritually, spiritually based relationship is this one word called intentionality. Intentionality, why are you meeting with this person? Why are you connecting with this person? Why are you talking with this person? Why are you going out to coffee with this person? Why are you spending time investing in this person? It's for the purpose of helping them grow in their relationship with Christ. And it's mutual. It's not just, let me meet with you and I'll help. Now, sometimes there's mentorships where it's simply one person to another. But as we connect with people in a friendship, it's, hey, let's connect with each other. So you can challenge me, I can challenge you. You can encourage me, I can encourage you. You can pray for me, I can pray for you. Let's do this life together because we need each other. When we try to live life alone, that's when Satan attacks, discourages, lies. That's when we start to fade away. That's when we start to backslide. That's when the enemy goes after us is when we're doing it alone. But when we have relationships, when we have connections, we're stronger together. So when the enemy comes to me and says, Gabe, you're worthless. You're not a good husband. You're not a good father. You're not a good pastor, which he does to me all the time, multiple times a day, today. I need people in my life to say, Gabe, listen, you might have messed up. You might have said something to your wife, your kids that you shouldn't have said. You might have made a mistake. You might have done this. But that's not who you are. That's not your reality. That's not your identity. Don't let Satan attack your identity just because of something you said that you, you repented for. Did you repent? Yes, you're doing what you called to do. You're not going to be perfect. Remember who God's called you to be. See, I need those people in my life to remind me of who God is and who I am. So, intentionality separates friendship from spiritually-based relationships. So, as we're disciples of Jesus, and as we go and we make disciples of Jesus, there's three different ways that we're going to connect people. I'm going to talk about three different ways we connect people, and then I'm going to tell you my personal story of how I got connected. So, number one, we connect them to God. Number one, as a disciple of Jesus, we're going to be connected to God. And as we make disciples of Jesus, we're going to help them connect to God. One way that we do that is helping them stay connected through his word. So John fifteen four through 6 says this, "'Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing.'" Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered in a pile to be burned. Jesus is saying, you're a branch, I'm a vine. You need me. If you're not connected to me, you're useless, you're worthless. You're going to get cut off, you're going to get thrown in the fire, you're going to get burned. You're not going to produce fruit, you're worthless if you're not connected to God. You need to connect with him on a daily basis. You need to talk with him. You need to read his word. You need to, you need to first and foremost, be following him and give your life to him and surrender to him. Connection is key to being in relationship with God. I've been married for my wife for ten and a half years. And if I told you this, I only talk to my wife once a week. Would you say I would have a really good marriage? No. Right, And just the same, if all we're doing is connecting with God once a week on a Sunday morning, we can't, we're not going to have a very good relationship with him. As we are going through our day, the Bible says, pray continuously, pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean we have to be in a constant state of bowing our head and closing our eyes, right? It means as we are going throughout our day, we're connecting with God. God, I'm going into this meeting right now, and I'm, I'm, I'm worried, I'm nervous, I don't know how this is going to go, I need your strength, I need your wisdom, God, I have to have this conversation with my friend, with my spouse, with my child, with my coworker. I need you. God, I'm feeling anxious right now. I need you to give me peace. God, help me on this test. Whatever it is, we are connecting with God. Every morning I, pr- I pray, at my, I sit at my dinner table and I, and I pray every single morning. I pray for a few things. The number one thing that I pray for is wisdom. Wisdom. Every morning, I start my day, I said, God, I need you. I desperately need you. I need wisdom for my day. And as I get into your word, I need wisdom to understand, to retain, and apply your word to my life. God, I need wisdom to love and to lead my wife and my kids. And I need wisdom to love and to lead the people that you've put in my life and my ministry. I ask for wisdom every single day. Every single day, I ask that he will make me more and more like him, that I will love those around me. That I, will, that I will be a, a good example to my kids of who he is. I pray for these things every day because without God, I will be nothing. Without his, his relationship in my life, without being connected to him, I'm nothing. And so we help people connect to God. We connect through prayer. We have to have this, this time of intentionality, of prayer, of being in his word. And then we connect through God through the Holy Spirit. Now, this one took me a while to kind of figure out and to understand how the Holy Spirit personally talks to me. Now, He talks me through His Word, He talks me through prayer, but there's something that He also does in my life that took me a while to understand. When I'm talking with people, there'll be times where I'm about to say something and they'll cut me off. I'm like, oh, that was rude. What's your problem? I have something so good to say right now. You don't even understand what's about to hit you right now. You know what I mean? And so I'll, I'll, I'll go to say it again. They'll cut me off again. I'm like, what in the world? And finally, the Lord is like, Gabe, I'm shutting you up. Don't talk right now. And I'm like, Lord, I have something so good to say. You don't even know. You don't even know what this person is going to miss out. The Holy Spirit connects with me and I through him when he tells me, stop what you're doing. You do not need to speak anymore. You do not need to speak. And it's so hard for me because I like to talk. I'm like, okay, Lord, but they're missing out. All right, I'll listen to you, but they don't know what they're missing. That's on you. He he goes, I'll take it. So we help people connect. So as we are walking along people in our life, we're helping them connect to God through the word, through prayer, through the Holy Spirit, through relationships, which is this next one. We connect people to others, okay? So we connect them to God, and we connect them to others, You do not have a personal relationship with God apart from other people, right? Now, there's times when you are just having your relationship with God and you're having your quiet time with him. But if what you think is, it's just me, God, and the dot, dot, dot. You fill it in. Me, God, in the woods. Me, God, in the coffee shop. Me, God, and the library. That's all I need. I don't need anyone else in my life. It's just me, God, and the dot, dot, dot. You are, first of all, not living a life that's biblical, and you are missing out on one of the greatest things that you can experience as a follower of Jesus, and that's relationship with other people. It's not just you, God, and the fill in the blank. It's you, God, and the person sitting next to you. You, God, and the church. You, God, and your life group. You, God, and fellow believers. See, when you give your life to Jesus, you have to understand you're born into a spiritual family. And that spiritual family is just as real as your biological family. In fact, your spiritual family will outlive and outlast your biological family. So the spiritual family of God that we call the church is not separated from your relationship with Jesus. It's a part of it. And so we help connect people to other people. We invite them into our life group. We connect ourselves in life group. And so when we're walking alongside someone, one of the first questions that we should ask is, are you a part of a life group? If their answer is no, then you should say, come to mine. And if you don't have one that you're a part of, you need to get one. So you can invite other people into relationship with other people. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says this. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Why do you think Paul writes to us and says, listen, you need to be patient with each other? Why does he do that? Because we frustrate each other, don't we? We annoy each other. We offend each other. We do things that bug each other. And sometimes we even sin against each other. But Paul's saying, listen, you got to be patient. You have to make allowance for each other's faults. You have to bear with one another. Make every effort to keep yourselves united. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break some news to you. You are not the easiest person in the world to get along with. I'm sorry. I can say that because I'm the guest speaker. I go back home today. Right? So you guys, but neither am I. Even for my wife, I I frustrate my wife. I frustrate the people around me. But because we are committed to each other in relationships, we make allowance for each other's faults. And when we hurt each other, we go to each other and we say, hey, listen, what you said hurt me. And that frustrated me and that bothered me. And here's what you did to offend me. See, being a follower of Jesus isn't about being perfect. It's about repenting and asking for forgiveness when we make mistakes. And we do that in relationships. Hebrews ten twenty four and 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of, good, of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Saying, don't stop meeting together. Don't let weather determine if you show up. Good job. <laughs> if someone's not sitting next to you, go tell them Hebrews ten twenty four through 25 has something to say to you this morning. Get into a life group. Get into relationship. Don't stop doing that. Why? Because we need to encourage each other. Who here needs to be encouraged? Who here wakes up sometimes you're like, ah man, just like the week, the day, the month, the year has just been kicking my butt and I just need someone to come along and encourage me and tell me that it's gonna be all right. Tell me that Jesus loves me. Tell me that he's on the throne. Remind me of who he is and who I am. I need that daily, you guys. I need that all the time for people to remind me and to encourage me and to keep me focused on who God is and who I am. And so we connect people to other people. The third way we connect people is to purpose. We connect people to purpose. Now, I love talking about this one because uh, th- th- this, one, this one lights me up because I-, I believe that everyone here was given a, a gift by God, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But you were not just saved— to go to heaven. You were not just saved so you wouldn't go to hell. You were saved for a purpose here on this earth. Whether you live in Pullman, Colfax, Moscow, wherever you live, the community that you live in, there's a purpose that God has for you in this moment in 2020. He put you here for a reason because there's someone next door, someone next to you in your seat, someone that sits next to you in class, someone that sits across the desk from you at work. There's somebody who needs to know about him. There's someone who needs to see Jesus in you. And he placed you there so that you will be the one that shows them who he is. You have a purpose and you have a gift to be used to help people understand who God is. Every single purpose. Every single person has a purpose. There's uh, my admin. Her name is Jordan. A couple years back she she didn't think she had a gift. She didn't think she had a purpose. She kind of just thought, you know, I'll, I'll just I'll be saved and I'll just kind of go throughout my life, I really don't have a purpose, I don't have a gift, I don't have anything to give back to anyone. And so we started talking with Jordan, you know, what is that you're passionate about? And she goes, Well, I I I really like spreadsheets. I said, Wow, you're weird. (laughs) I didn't say that to her, because that would be mean, but in my head, I'm like, that's the weirdest response I've ever heard in my life. What else do you like? I like data entry. I like Google Docs. It's like, oh, dear Lord, I don't even know what to do with you, right? But I go, you know what, Jordan? I go, that's the complete opposite of who I am. It sounds like you're kind of administrative. She goes, I love that stuff. I love that kind of stuff. I said, you want to come in and start doing some admin work for me? She said, I'd love to. And I'd start meeting with her. I'd be like, hey, do you want to create this document? Yeah, I'd love to. Do you want to create this spreadsheet? Oh my gosh, I'd love to. Hey, Jordan, we have this attendance, and we have all these things that need to go into the, in, the, in the database. you want to enter that in? Yeah, absolutely. Love it. She's now on staff as my full-time admin, and she is thriving in her job because she was given a gift of administration. And it took intentionality of sitting with her and saying, help me understand what you, how you're gifted, how you're wired. Pulling that gift out and being able to use it to, to help the body of Christ. Maybe you're not an admin, but maybe you say, hey, I would love to be on the worship team. I'd love to help out with AV. I'd love to greet people as they walk in. I think the most undervalued ministry we have in the church is hospitality. Who here was greeted this morning as they walked in? had a handshake, had someone... Who, who here drank coffee as they walked in? Like, that's our hospitality team saying, you know what, we're going to go out of our way and be intentional that as our people are showing up, we're greeting them with a friendly smile, with a handshake, with a high five, with a hug, with a how was your week? We're going to put coffee out because the Lord knows we need coffee. Sign up to serve for hospitality. Can you be a friendly smile at the door to greet people? We need that in our churches. If I go to a church and no one greets me, no one talks to me, no one tells me where anything is, no one asks how my day was, no one high-fives me, handshakes me, gives me a hug, and just lets me wander on in. In fact, they don't even put coffee out because that would be above and beyond. We don't need coffee here. We're not hospitable. Like, would you want to be a part of that church? Hospitality is not just a cherry on top of a church service. It's a biblical mandate that we are to be hospitable to people. That we are to be welcoming, to entertain, to greet people as they walk in. Like this is a biblical mandate. Can you be that? Can you connect to purpose and say, hey, you know what? I'm not just going to show up on a Sunday morning and consume. I'm going to show up on Sunday morning and I'm going to give. I'm going to serve. There's youth ministries. There's, there's children's ministries. There's all these different areas that, that you can be a part of and plugged in and be serving and be a part of a greater purpose. So as disciples, we connect to purpose, but as disciple makers, we help people connect to purpose. So as you're talking with people and interacting with those in your life, you say, Some, you know, I just feel dry. I, feel, I don't feel like, like you know, things are going. Ask them, this is the first question I would ask. Where are you serving? If they're already plugged into life, la- where are you serving? Oh, well, I'm not. If you're not serving, think of a lake analogy, right? If you have a lake and you have an inlet into that lake, it's just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and it's going to flood the surrounding areas and it's going to spill out all over the place and it's going to kill everything around it. It needs to have an outlet as well. So you show up to life group, you show up to church service and you get filled up by worship and through the word and all these different things, but you have to have an outlet. And if you simply just have an outlet and no inlet, you, you run dry. And so it's both and you need to be filled up, but you also need to pour out. So where are you connecting to Purpose. 1 Peter 4.10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to do what? To serve others. You were given a gift, but the gift is not for you. You were given a gift for the person next to you. You were given a gift for the person across the street from you. The person across the hall from you. Wherever, wherever you live, work, and play, the gift that you have is not for you to keep, it's for you to give away told you I would tell you my personal story of how I got connected. Because all these things were true in my life. About 10, 11 years ago, I started attending real life ministries in Post Falls. And at the time, we kind of would show up and, and we didn't want to really be a part of real life because it was huge and we wanted to go to a smaller church, but we were invited to, to Post Falls and so we showed up. We'd kind of you know, go in and out. We weren't connected. We weren't connected at all. We kind of just checking boxes. Hey, show up to church service. We weren't a part of a life group. Wasn't serving, anything like that. My wife and I got married in uh, July of 2009, and in January of 2010, long story short, she woke up one morning and she was paralyzed from the waist down, just like overnight. Took her to the hospital, Uh, by five o'clock that night she was in a coma, and her brain was swelling up. She was in a coma for two weeks, and she was actually, at the end of that two weeks, she was pronounced brain dead, and doctors told me that she wasn't going to survive, during those two weeks that Aubrey was in the hospital there was a guy named Fred Bosset, who I had never met before in my life but it was a it was a meeting that was orchestrated by God my aunt who worked at the church told Fred about the situation Fred showed up I remember clear as day I remember the elevator coming up I had never met Fred and he got to the the elevator door open I looked at him he looked at me and I go are you Fred? and he goes are you Gabe? and I said yeah and there was this connection that happened he said I just wanted to show up and just be here for you And so for two weeks, Fred would show up to the hospital every single day. And some days he would just sit with me as I cried, sit with me as I talked to doctors. Sometimes he would just sit and be there. But then there was these moments where Fred would talk to me about, about God and about my relationship with him and about the church and just about spiritual things. Fred was intentional to not just show up and be a friend, be a buddy, but to show up and say, I'm here for you in this moment. I'm here for you to help you connect to God. I'm here to connect with you. As my wife came out of the coma miraculously, which is a whole other story that I'd love to share with you, but don't have the time. She was sent to a place called St. Luke's Rehabilitation in Spokane. Dr. Gordon said she's going to be here for six months to a year because she has to learn how to walk. She has to learn how to talk. She has to learn how to do everything over again or how to learn how to talk again. she would be here for you know, at least six months if not a year and she walked out of that rehabilitation place in three weeks. But again, Fred and then a guy named Evan showed up and just, and we just were there and connected, sat down. We went to the cafe and we'd have coffee together and we'd have meals together and they just showed up as Aubrey was dis- discharged, he didn't just say, okay, she's good, see you later. He continued to connect with me. Let's get you plugged into a life group. He plugged me into a life group with a couple named Tony and Jill Ledford and Jim and Crystal Booth. I began to serve in the high school ministry because they invited me to be a part of the high school ministry. Connections, intentionality, I served there, and then one day they said, hey, we'd love for you to apply for a job being the associate high school pastor. This is my journey into where I am today, but it took the intentionality of one person saying I'm gonna take time out of my day to go and connect with this guy. Do you see what I'm getting at? As we walk alongside people, as we take time to connect with people, we create margin in our life to say, let's have some conversations. Let's help you connect. The communion ushers are gonna pass out communion and we're gonna take that together as a church family. And, and I wanna just review all that we've talked about as they're passing this out and I have some questions for reflection that I want you guys to be thinking about. So first, of all, first off, we were commissioned and commanded to go make Disciples wasn't an option, it was a command by Jesus. A disciple is someone who's committed to following Christ, being changed by Christ, and is committed to his mission, which is making disciples. We make disciples in, a relation, uh, in relationship through a process of sharing, connecting, ministering, and discipling. Thank you. And we connect people to God, others, and purpose. This is what this series is about. It's helping us understand the overall big picture of discipleship and how we're to do this. As we hold communion in our hands, I can't help but think of, as in the context of connection, how communion plays into that. Because communion is a remembrance, it's a reminder of what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's a reminder that 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid it all. But here was the reason, because there was disconnection between us and God. Because of our sin, Romans tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans goes on in chapter 8 to say the wages of sin is death, right? The wages of our sin is eternal separation from God. Not just a physical death, but a spiritual death in a place called hell. This is what Romans tells us. This is what scripture tells us, is that we are separated. We are disconnected from God because of our sin. But because of our good and loving God, he says, I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with you being disconnected. I'm not okay with you being separated. I'm a God of restoration. I'm a God of reconciliation. And so I will be a God that makes a way for you to be connected with me in a place called heaven for eternity. And as he made a way, he sent his son Jesus to take the penalty of our our sin. And this is what communion is a remembrance of. Every week we celebrate this. We celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus because every week we need to remember this is who God is. This is what he did to connect us. Question. Are you connected? Are you connected to God? First and foremost, are you connected to him in a way Where you've asked Him to be your Lord and Savior. You said, I'm done doing it my own way. I'm done with my sin. I've tried it my own way. I'm done with it. I give it to you. I acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. I confess that I'm a sinner in need of grace. Have you done that? If you have, are you connected with Him daily through prayer and through reading of the Word and through fellowship with Him? Are you connected to others? Are you in a life group? Are you connected with other people in relationship? And are you connected to purpose? Second question, what do you need to do to get connected that you are hesitant or afraid to do? See, many of us were hesitant of connection because we've been hurt in connection. See, in relationship we get hurt, but in relationship we get healed. Some of us have a skewed idea of who God is, so we're afraid to connect with him because we don't believe that he truly wants to connect with us. Third question, who do you need to connect with? I believe there's someone in your life that God wants to use you to connect with that person. Work, school, family, wherever it is, I believe that God is saying, I'm going to choose to use you today to connect with this person. So as you process that question, who's someone that you need to reach out to? You need to make a phone call to, you need to shoot a text message to, that you need to set up a a time to go out to coffee with, you need to invite over for dinner Who's he laying on your heart to saying as a disciple of Jesus, you're gonna connect with people and I believe that he'll lay some on your heart to say this is the person I want you to connect with. As we take communion together, we're gonna to eat the bread that represents Jesus' body that was hung on a cross for us in our place. Let's eat this and remember him. The juice represents his blood that was spilled for us, the forgiveness of our sins, the new covenant. Let's drink this and remember him. Father, thank you for connection. Thank you that you made a way for us to be connected to you. Thank you that you sent your one and only Son to die on a cross on my behalf, in my place. Jesus, you died the death that I deserved, even though you lived the life that I couldn't live. Thank you for that. Father, I pray that you would help us to connect with you on a daily basis. I pray that you would help us connect with others, Lord, that you would help us to be intentional with the time that we spend with other people that our time with them would, would point them back to you, that we would be able to ask hard questions, that we'd be able to challenge and encourage when needed. Father, I pray for anyone that's not connected to you that they would be. I pray that anyone that's not connected in a, in a home group today wouldn't leave until they are. They would go and sign up today and get connected in a relationship or anyone who's not serving in some capacity would do that. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to take those steps of faith to, to enter into connection with you and with others and with purpose. God, we love you. We thank you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us at rlcpullman.com and by connecting with us on Facebook. Until next time, have a great week.